Find your feet with the Find Your Feet podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Find Your Feet podcast. I'm obviously Hannah Olson, and we've been doing this podcast now for a bit over a year. Today, I sit down again with the beautiful Jess, my colleague and partner in crime at Find Your Feet, to have a discussion for all the athletes who are gearing up for the upcoming Ultra Trail Australia. Now, don't turn me off yet. If you're not doing this event, we feel that this uh, conversation, which is basically around the concepts of tapering and the final race day psychology, is really, really relevant to anyone who's striving for large races or large goals coming up. Uh, today, I just also want to mention that at Find Your Feet, we wanted to, I guess, give an opportunity for our listeners to engage with our brand and to be able to access some really good deals on our online store if they are gearing up for adventures. So what we've done is we've set a 20% off your first order offer for all the listeners of the podcast. The discount code is Finding My Feet with a capital F, capital M, and a capital F for feet. So finding my feet. If you just put that in when you get to the checkout, that'll give you 20% off your first order with us. What that'll also do is make you one of our members. um, And all orders ongoingly for all our listeners will get 10% off with a different discount code that'll get emailed to you. So yeah, so we really hope that um, you can support what we're trying to do with Find Your Feet with our education, coaching, retail and tours, because this is really what is keeping the podcast alive. I guess for me personally, I just want to wish all of the runners who are gearing up for Ultra Trail Australia the most awesome day and um, a successful one at that. I know how hard you've all worked. I know how much effort goes into it, both emotionally and physically. And I just want you to know that if you smile at you know the whole way through no matter what the hardship gets thrown at you you will have a wonderful wonderful day uh, we'll be up there Jess myself and Graham will all be up there at the find your feet expo with oh sorry at the UTA expo with find your feet so we'd love it if you can come along and find us we've got a pretty exciting marquee that we've been working really hard on it will have lots of great products, but it'll also be a chance for you to come and just like share your story, share your feedback on the podcast um, and engage with the brand in general. We also are booking a couple of tours at the moment. If you've uh, had your toes tingling or wondering what the next goal is, we've still got places available on the Overland Track, which is a 65 kilometer one day run through the famous Tasmanian Alpine Overland Track. That'll be um, being held at the very, very end of November with the actual run happening on the 1st of December. So if you're interested in that, you can jump onto the website, findyourfeettours.com.au and have a look. And we've also got one spot for a woman on our French Pyrenees tour heading out in August. Uh, We had a lovely lady pull off um, due to some family reasons. So we have one spot available there. If you're interested in that, the details are also on the Find Your Feet Tours website. Coolio, enough from me. I'm looking forward to this podcast with Jess and we hope that you all really love it and have a wonderful day in your goals coming forward. Thank you. Here we are again, Jess. Yeah. 
And the last podcast, hopefully, before the Big Ultra Trail Australia events that everyone's been training hard for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit surreal. It does. It's come up really quickly, but also, yeah, it still feels like we've got a bit more time to go. Um, there's still a couple more weeks and yeah, we're just getting, getting our planning and everything ready to go. Yeah. It's definitely like a really exciting phase in the lead up to this event. And I like, I mean, I hope this, this podcast is relevant to people, whether they're running Ultra Trail Australia or they're not, or they're, they're not even runners themselves. I hope there's some information in here that can help people. But, um, I love this time, like the last couple of weeks and everyone's getting nervous everyone's getting excited we're getting the emails gearing up for the expo yeah Yeah. but it's going to be a bit different for you this year because you're not running at all (laughs) (laughs) retired old woman now um yeah i mean it is it is a it's funny like we were just talking before we sort of started the recording but um it's it's quite hard reframing your goals you know and and working out like what's meaningful to you as a runner and and as a person and then not getting that fear of missing out syndrome and for me like I think the thing that I probably will struggle with when I get there is like it's not not being in the event that bothers me but I think what will bother me is that feeling like I'm not striving for something like I love that feeling of you know working on your fitness working on your mindset working on like your skills so that you feel like it's all coming towards a point where you can celebrate that yeah and I think that's the bit that'll that'll throw me when we get up there yeah yeah Yeah. I think though that maybe if it's not in running though but for you it's in other areas of your life as well that you are doing that striving yeah I guess that's true and you know we've definitely been really thinking about where where find your feet's going um graham and i are inching closer towards building our home which is really exciting yeah hopefully see other little secret projects too (laughs) (laughs) which i'm not going to talk about but i'm just going to (laughs) tease yeah no there's lot there's so much going on Um, i feel really blessed and we had like our team meeting last night at find your feet we had all of our staff team together um and really getting excited about where we were going as a group and how we could help people um, when they come in the door when they uh, engage with us online like you know and just to feel the energy from all these vibrant people in the room who all have amazing skill sets like yeah that was like a super empowering experience and I definitely think that being a part of that team and being a part of our common goals at Find Your Feet has really replaced a, a huge part of that yeah. striving athlete that I used to have in me. Yeah, it feels like um, the people that we work with as well might be a little bit too sharing because a lot of us developed colds and coughs <laughs> and flus in the past couple of weeks. So if you guys hear us like coughing <laughs> and hacking up a little bit, um, it's because we've been a little bit, a little bit sick lately. So, yeah. um, yeah, we haven't been taking up any new hobbies of <laughs> yeah. smoking. smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So today we're going to focus on tapering and race psychology. So I'm really excited to talk about this because, um, it's things that we kind of talk about, in our you know, just general day to day. Yeah, like uh, talking. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really fascinated 
(laughs) that I've kept bringing psychology to the table with the podcast because when when I was racing and and at my some of my best results psychology and the focus on psychology was never something that was really on my radar Mm. like I think you know you you subconsciously are working on your psyche to make sure that you're strong enough for the challenge that you're facing but to be really thinking about it as a coach and to be really thinking about as a person now has been probably um coming with the benefit of self-reflection and hindsight yeah so I'm, I'm really excited that it just keeps popping up as feeling really relevant to share with people and I'm really excited that we're getting so much feedback yeah on on episodes that focus on psychology because it also means that our community and people are starting to see the real importance of focusing on your mindset and your awareness of your emotions as you strive towards things whether they're like a running thing or whether they're something like we're saying about find your feet or a workplace goal even relationship goals I think being aware of your moods and the way your brain is talking to you and that internal chatter that you have is just so vitally important yeah yeah because um we recently we've started a countdown on your facebook um and i think it was the was it a yes yeah yesterday it was that we posted a quote from brooke martin Mm. um which was a great podcast that you did so check that one out if you haven't (laughs) listened to it already but um she was basically saying about how inevitably in the first 40 kilometers you're gonna feel bad like and it's okay if you do because it doesn't determine you know how the rest of the race is gonna go so I'd kind of like to start with how how people can translate their long their longer missions and the way that they might have been feeling in those missions um and then think that that's how they're gonna be performing on race day and just is that true yeah yeah I'm I'm actually really excited we're starting there Jess because I think this is a really like a really important conversation to have um so for those people who've been following any of my like your training resources or read the guidebook they'll know that by missions we're talking about like our long training runs or walks that prepare us for race day. Mm-hmm. And so for the 100K athletes, I think I had them getting up to around that six to eight hours of being on your feet. And the 50K athletes was in that five to six hour mark. Um, the reason behind, we, the reason we do these missions is that they're like a window into your preparation and they're also a confidence builder. So it's basically saying, yes, you know, like I can go out for six to eight hours and I can come home and yes, I might be tired, but everything kind of connected or there were weaknesses in my preparation that I can now focus on in my training and address them so that they don't pop up again on race day or they're less likely to pop up again on race day. So Mm. it's these missions um, for me, like are vitally important in someone's preparation Mm -hmm. and they're not about fitness building. They're Mm. about confidence building. I was talking to a woman yesterday because I do quite a lot of consulting with athletes still and performance consulting and we were having a chat about her preparation for Ultra Australia coming up and she said to me that she was really concerned and this was her main concern was that on those six and eight hour missions so the last two big ones she did over the last six weeks when she got to that 
four-hour mark, she found herself feeling quite fatigued Mm. and that made her really scared. And then the last couple of hours became like um, quite challenging psychologically. And she's like, I don't really know what was going on. And I kind of found myself saying to her that I'm in some ways I'm not surprised. Like she'd done the training. I know the training she's done because yeah, I can see she's been following the program quite, quite carefully. And I know that fitness was not her challenge Mm. out there. I think what happens on the six to eight hour missions is that, you know that they're really important because they're going to show you how you're going. And especially when you get to the last one, like that big sort of six to eight hour one, Mm. um, you know that like, that is the that is the crux of this program or that is the crux of your preparation it's like a marathon runner when they get to they do their last 32 kilometer run they're not going to now go and do like a 40k run two weeks out like when they get to 32k and they've done that session they know now they're going to be easing off and they've done the work so it does put like a really strong emphasis on that is like i want to make sure that you know this is a really positive experience so that i go into the race day confident so yeah. it sort of super gun loads that mission. Yeah. And you're going to, as soon as you run out the door, is even when you're preparing, you're nitpicking everything that you're doing. Mm. Like, have I got the right gear? Am I taking enough gels? Or is that enough, like, electrolyte? Or how does that feel? Is that gear light enough? Or are my feet going to be okay? Or are my feet getting sore? And, like, how are my muscles feeling? Or what's my head doing? Like, like the, what's it going to feel like if this is 40K and next in three weeks time you know then I've got to get to 70k or you know and like having that kind of constant internal chatter is really fatiguing yeah um when you get to like race day you're way more rested you've done the work with the gear there's nothing you can change there's also a heightened adrenaline around the event and everyone's really excited and you're going to feed off that Mm. so I guess part of today's conversation is trying to help people to turn off the stuff they don't need to think about anymore you know, like so much of it is done. You can't get fitter. You can't do more with your gear. So you really, so it's time to, I guess, kind of relax and put all of your training behind you and just trust in the process now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I'm actually really excited because you've got some amazing strategies, I think, for helping people like on that lead up so that you've kind of already thought through it like everything that you could have possibly thought through. So when you actually get to the day, um, you know, that you don't have all that kind of internal chatter. So I know we're going to talk about some of those things today in this podcast. Um, but the, yeah. Well, the, the internal chatter is what's fatiguing. Yeah. It's, it's the bit that can either really make you or unravel you um, on the day. And, it, and it's also the same in these like last two and a half weeks till the day um it's super i mean we all know what that's like like it's really really fatiguing to have that voice inside your head constantly going oh have you thought about this oh how are you feeling now oh i've only got a week to go you know like that just having that constant critique going on is draining yeah Um, so i think yeah it's really really important that we help structure these next couple of weeks and structure the day itself so that you can take out as much of that internal chatter as you can. Yeah, because I, I think... Sorry, one no, thing I'd right. like, probably like to rephrase <laughs> that. We're not taking it out. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. We're turning down the noise. Yeah. yeah. But I think also um, clarifying that 
that those are still questions like when you're out on your mission you're still asking yourself those questions and that's that's important like how are my feet doing like do I feel like I've got the right gear like how are my muscles feeling it's not necessarily like the content of the questions it's the emotion that you bring behind it so if it's coming from a place of like stress and worry and yeah like anxiety then that's where it can be detrimental to you but if you're just like oh came home and like yeah that wasn't feeling good or I could have done that it doesn't have the same physiological effect on your body absolutely yes I'm really glad you brought that up and it probably brings another really important point to the table right at the beginning is to go back to why you set this goal in the first place Mm. um I was reading this beautiful article the other day can't remember who it was by but um it was talking about like why do we set goals and a lot of the well, she was saying that any goal that you set that really is meaningful that you've been able to, to really stick to, you've set because it wasn't the thing that you wanted to achieve. It was the outcome that you wanted to feel yep. when you have that achievement. Yeah. And I think like everyone going into a race like Ultra Australia or any other big meaningful goal, you don't want to kind of achieve that goal and have a horrendous day out. It's sort of like, that's not going to feel great when you cross the line. Yeah. So I think it's about like, reflecting on it right now and being like yeah you know I set this goal because I wanted to be super excited to feel what it feels like to run 100k or 50k or 22k um or you know to try trail running for the first time but you know like a really fun environment if you then bring an attitude of like frightened don't want to do it negative um nervous energy to that goal then you're not really going to achieve that outcome that you're wanting. Yeah, so. and it can be quite confusing because you're just like, if it, then you finish it, you don't have this feeling of, of <laughs> accomplishment. You might still feel like crap because yeah. it's been a, like it's been a really stressful, painful time. And then you're just like, wait, but that was my goal. That was supposed to bring me happiness. And now yeah. why do I feel like this? So. Absolutely. And I really want to like just draw that out slightly <laughs> and say to or to encourage people to right now build into their life after this event and and right well really from now until after the event a moment of pause and by that I mean a moment where you can celebrate everything that you have done yeah so it's to take away like forget about what a training session you missed or bit of gear that you couldn't afford and you wish you'd been able to or like take away the mentality of what did I leave out what did I forget what did I not do and focus on all the other things that you really really have done yeah um because otherwise what tends to happen is yeah you focus on on the blank spaces and then when you finish the the goal or you you know the day comes and goes and Sunday comes up and it's all done and dusted you're left with this empty feeling of like, what next? Yeah. Um, and I really want to encourage people to pause and actually celebrate what they have done. Yeah. And take their time in that process because otherwise, yeah, you're going to get on that bandwagon of like trying to fulfill this empty need in you all the time. Yeah. 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 So I think it'd be really cool to bring it back to where we are right now. So like 16 days out from UTA race day. Um, do you believe that can you get like can you get any fitter now like 16 days out you've still got a couple of weeks of training is it possible to get any stronger fitter faster um 
any like last last minute kind of like dashes mm. at strength building is that yeah. actually going to be beneficial for race day or because i think also it's it's a total change of mentality as well so like mm. up until this point i feel like people have just been like i've been building 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 you know i've been working and it's almost like now you're asking them to reverse that and be like mm-hmm. no now you've got to rest and it's like but i'm still building to like i'm yeah. still getting towards race day like shouldn't i be resting afterwards because i think people can be quite confused when you're asking them like to go on really really small runs and get massages and it's like well why should i be doing yeah. that when i'm still like shouldn't i be doing that after my race it's so, kind of like, it is an unnatural psychology it's like in some ways you've been running the race for the last six months because of that preparation and that building. Yeah. And it's like when you go back to primary school and your PE teacher was like, you've got to run strong to the finish line, you know, and it feels weird to, I guess, in some ways, like peak your training load, you know, in advance of your actual event. Yeah. It sort of leaves a, a gap, a blank space yeah. for these couple of weeks. Um, so it's a really good question, Jess, and... I, w- I don't want anyone to quote me exactly on my figures because it's been a while since I've read all of the studies, but there is evidence to suggest that a really good, we'll call it a taper period, but like a, a rest, a recovery period leading up to an event can build your strength by over 5%. Hmm. So we've strived really hard to find 1% gains through this building period. Um, it seems crazy not to take advantage of that 5% because you get a little bit nervous, a little bit carried away. I think the thing though that I also wanna say about these two weeks is when I talk about rest or when we're discussing taper, it's not about sitting on the couch. I guess the psychology that you now need to be bringing to your preparation is like, what can I do today that'll make me feel a little bit better tomorrow um, and a little bit lighter on my feet. Now, if you're in the situation that Jess and I are in right now, we're coming off the back end of a cold it's probably not in our best interest to go and try and do some speed training because our lung capacity just isn't there we're probably going to pull up feeling a bit crappy and we're not going to feel better tomorrow so we're making a decision now that's very individual to our situation similarly there might be someone else who is feeling absolutely fantastic they recovered really well off their last long run and they're starting to get a bit flat and they're sort of starting to feel a bit heavy that person probably needs to make a decision to go out and do some just little quick, quicker, not quick, but quicker, we'll call them strides, where they they run a bit strongly for a minute or so, and then they jog for a while, and then they run strongly for a minute or so, just to get that feeling of spring back in their feet. So like I think everyone is gonna be really different, but I do feel confident that if you're following the programs, um, there's lots of opportunity for people to to tailor them to their needs. The only thing I would also say, you mentioned strength training, and I'm a full advocate for strength work. It's really important if you've been following like strength programs and you've been doing hill training that you don't just cut all of that straight out. Mm. Like as much as you want your muscles to freshen up, it's also really important that they stay engaged. So I think the the mindset change for strength um, and keeping your muscles turned on is it's more about activating them. So you drop back to like low, low, low weights, um, low repetitions, and just 
switching muscles on Hmm. so I like to also do that like before I go out for my runs especially if they do involve a tiny bit of speed work is like lie on the floor and turn your glutes on you know do your bridging exercises do some single leg squats you know just wake things up and then go for your run because if you've if you've been doing all of that and then you just turn that off you're gonna feel like a different runner pretty quickly Mm. yeah yeah so that's kind of like this week I suppose is the still engaging yeah like in your recovery and your rest not going not just like lying on the couch yeah. but doing a little bit um, it's this week and next week Jess I okay. would say like we're two and a two just just under two and a half weeks so your last long run so maybe by long run I mean um if your sort of normal run long run each week's been around two hours you probably got one more of those in you this week Um, it's pretty easy you might just stride out a few times just to kind of spin your legs out so you don't just plod for two hours but yeah that like this weekend should still be a relatively strong training weekend Um, a week out is when everything really does curve back yeah like a week out um, you know is a is that is getting too tight to go and do and any more of that sort of big long training so like my for me my last long run is always around 75 minutes of just gentle running and if I don't feel great I pull up short um yeah so I guess you don't have set rules a week out Mm. you're really being a lot more flexible so yeah I would say next week even for people like it's probably important to keep the routines going so if you've always been you know getting up at six in the morning and you've always done two strength sessions a week and you've always enjoyed yoga and I, I would still try and hold your routine so that you feel human and you feel like you're still building but everything the volume the intensity is all being curved back yeah so you might get home half an hour earlier for your breakfast or um you might spend that extra 20 minutes stretching you know when you normally would have been running or in the gym so it's it's just a like i guess you're bringing gentility to what you your normal routines are the last week is when normal routines really do go out the window yeah and it's about bringing a lot more recovery a lot more active and passive recovery techniques and really trying to i guess like every day yeah like we're saying just make sure that you're getting one step closer to feeling good on the day yeah and before we kind of go into talking about what people could do a week out um i heard a really great piece of advice which was about um packing up your vest pack with all of the mandatory gear that you know that you're going to be using and needing and and figuring out um situationally where to put it in your vest pack so you don't have odd things kind of like poking into you or like to get a feel for for how it's gonna feel on the day yeah it's true and I I actually kind of wish I'd done that last year as well I just um I was like she'll be right (laughs) um and then you know like two days before you're like oh geez that doesn't feel very good and I'm still deliberating uh, on a few things so I'd I'd would absolutely strongly recommend that you build in maybe a couple of runs each week where you pack up your gear, um, all of it, everything down to the last skerrick and assuming that the weather's going to be cold and wet and they're going to make you carry everything and actually go and practice it. Um, It doesn't need to be long. It only needs to be like a half an hour jog or something, but you you do want to kind of get your head around what that feels like. Um, It'll change your running gait a little as well. So yeah yeah that's a good one um and it's i think it's just it goes right back like if you look at any sport 
Um, again, working at the AIS and seeing like the basketballers prepare or the swimmers. I mean, even back to my own swimming days, a couple of weeks to two, three weeks out is a time when coaches are constantly throwing um, real life replications of your events or competitions at you. Mm. So in swimming, you know, we would always have a day where we had to turn up, we had to do our race day warm up, and then we did our like 50 meter sprint freestyle pretending it was a race you know and then we did our cool down and we practiced what gear we were going to eat like what bathers we were going to wear what we were going to eat mm. the basketballers do the same you know they split into teams and they have like a race or a competition simulation um so i think like effectively it's about you know two to three weeks out like sort of in the now period building that kind of concept in so getting up maybe this weekend is the chance where you get up and you like okay, well, I think I'm going to be getting up at five o'clock in the morning on race day. And I think I'm going to eat this. And I think I'm going to drink that. And then my gear's all packed up and I'm going to wear those socks and those shorts and I'm going to go out and I'm just going to pretend this is the day. Mm. So that if anything doesn't feel right in that routine, you still have a couple of weeks to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to learn from that. Mm. Um, I think after you get through this weekend though, it's time to chuck that mentality out and try and just, try and try and just be you do you know what I mean otherwise I think like the fussing the critiquing that um internal chatter will just drive you nuts for the last two weeks and you'll start to doubt yourself you'll start to question your decisions it's like you need to have a point in your head where you're like enough's enough and I would if it was me I'd be saying like Monday morning when I woke up enough's enough then it's just like just focus on the physical and all the gear and the fussing is all done yeah and trust that what you're doing is best for what for you and what other people are doing are what's best for them and it might look very different very much Um, so yeah yeah very much so cool um so a week out we are now starting to talk about like you've got a lot more spare time because you're not doing so much physical exercise. So um, this is a great time to be utilizing that to maybe do some mental mental work. So we were talking yeah. about... Yeah, you're right. Like, be prepared that you're going to feel a bit jittery. You're like, you're having a little bit more time or you're trying to, like, finish everything off at work, I think is... um it kind of and you and your routines have gone in the last week so yeah. there is a lot um it, it yeah it make the word that comes to mind is jittery like you just feel a little bit edgy and mm. um, be prepared for that like everyone will feel it what i really love to do in this time um is to take a small window and i do set a window around it so again you don't have this continual internal chatter kind of bothering you but it's sort of like a homework session where you sit down with a big blank piece of paper and you think about all the scenarios that could potentially happen on on race day. I call them my what if scenarios. And I sometimes bring that thinking back to like a few days before. Mm. So I'm talking about like, what if um, I get sick two days out? Touch wood, you don't, but... It's like you can imagine like if that situation happened and you hadn't prepared for that, how much that will throw you. Whereas if you've preempted that and you've thought about it and go, Oh yeah, that's a thought. I wonder how I would deal with that situation if that happened. 
um, yeah, like that because that's what the purpose of this exercise is. So what what are all the what ifs? So what if um, it's bucketing with rain on race day? What if um, it's really clear but freezing cold on the start line? What if it's a super hot day? What if my shoelace breaks? What if I get blisters? What if I'm winning? What if I'm coming last? What if I get past? What if Nellie's Glen stairs really hurt me? What if I get lost? What if I trip over? What if for women I get my period? What if um, I end up running with someone and I can't shake them and they're driving me nuts? You know, mm. they just want to talk and I want to get in my bubble. Mm. Um, what if I see my support crew? What if my support crew aren't at the aid station when I get there? Um, what if there's something I forget in my checkpoint bags that I really thought I'd need? What if I feel pain? What so people are going to be writing like a very short novel about <laughs> Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I guess so like this, where did this come from? Um, <laughs> it goes back to 2004, which was my first ever senior team in orienteering. So it was my debut on the national senior orienteering team to go to the world championships, which for orienteering is the Olympics of orienteering. Um, it was in Sweden, which is like the home of orienteering. It's like a massive deal over there. Mm. The world champs, they were expecting to have like up to 7,000 spectators every day watching. Um, and then in their com- competitor like events on the side, they were going to have up to 20,000 people racing. So you can imagine like as I mean, I was... I was 17, I'd barely been overseas, I was going to the most technical terrain in the world to compete. I am, it was actually my year off from like my gap year between finishing school and starting university. So I decided that I would go over and live in Sweden and I would be a nanny, which turned out I was a nanny for a couple who didn't have kids. (laughs) So these two like 35 year olds and I I just did their shopping and mowed their lawn and clipped their hedge and didn't have to worry about the children, which was absolutely fabulous. (laughs) But my dramas set in as soon as I arrived over there. Like I couldn't get my head around the terrain. I was finding it terribly difficult. I continually got lost. I think like my club were just like, who who is this blonde, small Australian girl who continually finishes behind the 75-year-old <laughs> beginners in the club. Um, I went to a few events to try and get my confidence. Inevitably, I got lost and would come back and hadn't finished the course. Like, So going into like the race day, I was so terrified that I was going to make a total fool of myself at this world champs. So I sat down a couple of weeks out and I went through all the what-if scenarios because I just thought I have to have some form of strategy I have to think about this so I did like I went through and I was like you know what happens if I break my compass what happens if my shoelace breaks what happens if I'm coming last what happens if I get lost what happens if I come into the spectator shoot what happens if I hear commentary um and I decided that there was very little that I could do about a lot of the events that would happen especially even getting lost you know um, and getting myself completely bamboozled so one strategy that I ended up putting in place for most of my what if scenarios was that I was just going to smile and have fun. Um, yeah. So if a competitor went past me, I'd smile and give him a wave. If I saw a TV camera out the forest, I smiled and gave him a wave. <laughs> and there's all this like ridiculous footage of me like waving and smiling and like being, <laughs> being a really blonde bimbo. <laughs> but amazingly, 
having dealt with it all emotionally before I got to the race day meant there was really nothing left that was going to surprise me. Yeah. Um, I was prepared for the fact that any event could happen and I was just going to deal with it. And I actually ended up making the final and finishing 24th in the world at my first world championships, um, which was so <laughs> surreal. And then the next day um, in the relay, I took the same attitude and ended up having the fourth fastest time on the course out of everyone to the point where we were in the bronze medal position for quite a while but what had happened was that my last leg I ran second my last leg runner I changed and we were yeah we were in the bronze medal spot and she was a very very competent runner for Australia but she hadn't done the what if scenario and it hadn't even occurred to her that our team would potentially be in a medal position Mm. and she ended up making like an enormous error um, because of the pressure so like I think mm. I tell this story because I think I've found more and more and more as I've gone through big events is that if you can preempt those experiences you're going to have you can do something about them right now whether it's mentally or physically or technically to overcome those challenges mm. yeah mm. so like also like preempting that you're going to go through struggle struggle tree and that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to feel like anything you've probably like if you've never run 100 kilometers before like this is going to feel very different to anything you've ever done yeah and Um, even for the 22k athletes like that 22k course is epically mean like you literally just run downhill for 10k and turn around and run uphill for 12k like and finish with a flight of stairs for the last kilometer and a half like you hear that and you're like yeah yeah who am I kidding (laughs) that is not gonna feel easy at any point in that yeah um so I think it would be unrealistic not to um preempt that you will have hardships yeah and times of discomfort and times of like what am I doing yeah um but you will come out the other side and you're yeah. going to come the different, I think we mentioned this on one of the other podcasts, but the difference between the champions and and the people who struggle are that the champions will pull themselves out of those places a lot faster. Yeah. And I think you can bring a champion mindset to what you're doing if you go through these what if scenarios and one of them is, what happens if I'm feeling crap? Excuse the language. What, yeah. ha- what happens if I'm just feeling really negative and I'm hating life? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? So asking the question, but then actually writing down what your answer would be to it, yeah. like mentally going through the scenario, like, yeah, what if, what if I feel really, really crap? And it's like, okay, what, what strategy am I going to employ when yeah. my body is really, really yeah. depleted? It's like, am and I going to have a caffeine drop? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then there might be like a few, like a few solutions. Like, okay, well, the first thing I want to do is I'm going to have something to eat and then, and I'm going to have glucose. And if I'm really feeling that bad, I'm going to have caffeine. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to um, I'm going to check in with my, am I too hot? Am I too cold? Yeah. Are my feet okay? You know, is there anything that I need to do to make myself feel more comfortable right now? And then you're going to break it down. You go, I need to bring myself back to the now. I need to look around and I need to take in where I actually am mm. and ask myself the question, would I really want to be anywhere else right now? And you probably find it's a no. Yeah. Um, you might think, wow, well, if I've done all that preparation and I'm feeling like this, imagine how everyone else is feeling. Yeah. And that's not an egotistical thing. That's just a reality check. Yeah. Um, I love that one, actually. Um, I also think sometimes it's good to bring a bit of like toughen up princess mentality to it. 
Like, mm-hmm. this is not a walk in the park. This is not a bushwalk. This is not a picnic. <laughs> you know, toughen up. Yeah. Um, and then I also, my biggest trick with it is that, and this goes back to that 2004 experience, is smile. Like, smiling, giggling, giveaway, engaging with, like, people who are out cheering you on like whether they're locals who live nearby or they're like the aid station people Mm. or the checkpoint marshals or just people who are standing out on the course telling you where to go or it's a competitor um you know or like participant alongside you or your support crew as much as you just want to burst into tears and i wish i'd taken this advice last year for myself but like (laughs) as much as you want to burst into tears with them smile and laugh and pretend everything is totally gay mm. and then tell them but I do have a blister that I just kind of want to fix before I go out again because if, when you have this like smiling vibrancy that goes on in you it gives you this incredible energy yeah it, it really honestly does it makes it harder for those negative thoughts to kind of creep in yeah they, they'll still come but then you're like nah you know I need to smile at someone oh there's someone you know and yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's important to brief your support crew that that is so for people that want to choose that way of tackling the course to be like talk to your support crew and say, "Hey, this is my this is my <laughs> strategy going in like if it looks like I'm dying but I'm still smiling, like that's what I'm trying to do." Yeah. And and I'd love it if you could like give me tough love and so do you think it's important to sit down with your support crew even before I think that is so vital it'd be like something that I would be doing with urgency yeah so like around now now yeah Yeah. and I think like part of that what if scenario needs to be like this is my strategy but what if what if I still end (laughs) up in a blubbering mess at some checkpoint yeah um I I think the thing the, the role of the support crew is really tough love um, you don't put people in your support crew or you don't allow them to bring love to the table. Yeah. Deep down they'll be feeling it. Don't don't doubt you don't doubt that. Um, but your ability to be rational out there, which is why again the what if scenarios are so important to do now, mm. is that um, yeah, your ability to be rational out there, even in twenty two kilometers, totally goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So the role of the support crew is to be the rational one. Yeah. They're not there to be emotional and they're not there to save you. Mm. Um, most of the time, they're going to need to give you a jolly good kick up the bum because you're going to come into a checkpoint and you're like, I really, I don't want to go. No, I, I just can't do another 28K. I, I just don't want to go back out there. And especially if it's raining or cold or dark or yeah. you've got blisters on your feet. Um, so it is really, really important to word them up and be like, I need you to really push me. Even if I'm like crying, even if I'm angry, even if I'm grumpy, even if I'm like completely out of it, yeah. unless it is seriously unsafe for me to go back out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I could just add in there is that it's important to, to try and, um, like we've talked about lots in the podcast, so people might want to go back and listen to these episodes again, but to help the support crew to identify what you are going to need. So if you're like eyes are glazed or you're really negative or you're a bit spinny, you haven't had enough glucose and they need to feed you. Mm -hmm. Or if you've got pain, they need to give you a caffeinated gel. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so you need to you need to sit down and problem solve with them like what if i come in and my and my feet are sore what do we do mm-hmm. and so that they're not then trying to work out what you need um and then that came to checkpoints in and bags and things is like yeah that's what i was gonna yeah don't don't create a buffet yep. in your checkpoint <laughs> bag um don't give yourself well i might feel like this but i might also feel like that yeah um i might want to change my shoes or my socks but i don't know if i will yeah i think you just kind of need to have a strategy now and be dealing with it yeah so you have a few bits in your first aid kit they're like if i've got blisters there's that in there um if i've got chafing i've got my vaseline um if I'm low on gels, I've got a few spares. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've used my caffeine one, I've got another one in there. So you, ha- you have the things that you'll need, but don't then go, but I might want a honey sandwich or I might want a packet of chips or I might want like Vegemite on pikelets. Yeah. Like you're, you're, when you turn up, you'll feel overwhelmed if you've got choice and you don't want your support crew to also be doing that. Do you want like a banana or do you want like Coke or do you want like... They need to just give it to you, yeah. and you need to you need to have a rule with yourself that you will have it. Yeah, because um, you don't kind of rock up in a rational mind where you're just like, mm, "What do I feel like eating?" You're just like, "Food, give it to or me." Or you might just be like, "I don't want anything," and you you bring your stubborn mule to the table, which is yeah. often what happens to people when they start getting more stressed. Like, I just want to go. I just want to go. Yeah, just, just get it just, done. And... Yeah, just don't. No, I I can't look at another gel. Well, yeah. it's not a picnic you know and again like i've said it a few times on the podcast but like my motto is sakura princess if your support crew think that that is what you need they're probably more right than you are at that point in time the only time that you should be wary of that is if you can really tell that your your tummy is like really bloated and grumpy and um upset like really upset where you think like oh i actually could be sick but if you're just going oh i feel a bit sickly as in like i've had too much sugar you're probably going to feel like that anyway. Yeah. 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 And another thing you were saying with support crews is like just trying to limit time at them as much as possible. So you were saying even like having spending 10 minutes or like, oh, I'm just going to sit down for a little bit or like how, how that time can escape you. So, and it all kind of adds up. So if you're spending 10 minutes at each of the checkpoints, how then that could have meant that you were finished an hour earlier than, yeah. than, if you had yeah at the end of the day like you just want to get back to that finish line finish line as soon as possible yeah so the whole thing is over i mean which is so weird like i know that that's actually the mentality but you think you've been working towards it working towards it and then when it actually happens you're just like you're trying to enjoy it but then it's just like i just want to get to the end yeah i mean it doesn't matter how much fun you're having out there at the end of the day it would be really nice to get back to your like hotel room with your white fluffy duvet yeah and breakfast next morning and a shower yeah and if you like yeah like you say if you're taking if you there is a saying when you get to checkpoints and it's like beware the chair and i would absolutely say that do not sit down yeah do not sit down yeah um and also because your body can get cold really quickly and then that can yeah it's under a lot of stress and yeah exactly i think if you're you know, if I look at, say, the 100K course, I think there's five potential checkpoints in there off the top of my brain. And if you do just take 10 minutes, which doesn't really sound like a lot of time, that's 50 minutes that you have spent in checkpoints. Add in a few water stations on the course where you've topped up your water, that's an hour 
that you have spent doing nothing. That's an hour you can get back earlier. So yeah. you don't want to rush to the point where you haven't. I mean, I made a mistake one year where I didn't fill up my water and I ran out of water because I kept thinking, oh, like I'll just get to the next one. And, you know, you forget that it is quite a long way. So you do want to take your precautions and go through your what if scenario. Like, what if my water's low when I get to the checkpoint? I, I fill it up, you know, and mm. you go through those and you deal rationally with them. But then you get out. You don't like hug babies and, you know, kiss people and like stand at the buffet Wait, what? wondering what it really You don't stop yeah. to hug babies and kiss people. Well, but you know what me. I mean. Like yeah. you just, you honestly, you just won't. Grab your piece of watermelon, fill up your water and get out of there. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a couple of other points that we just wanted to touch on. Um, and that was the beware of being nearly there or saying to yourself you're mm-hmm. nearly there and I think in a previous podcast it might have been the one that we we did before this one but it was talking about setting setting your halfway point at actually 75 uh, 75% through instead of 50% through mm. um, and we kind of were saying about how the distance the actual like physical distance it won't take you the time that you've usually run it in the past and I know that will probably be common sense to a lot of people but the way that I kind of like to think about it is like 10k's is not 10k's when you've done 90k's or like the last couple of k's aren't just that yeah when you've done what you've done yeah definitely and, and this this actually came up quite strongly in, in that consult that I had yesterday with um, my lovely lady on the phone um you know she's run a lot of the course which is is absolutely awesome like if you know what to expect but she was like yeah you know and and i got to run up kadumba and i practiced my little steps and it was amazing and i sort of had to say like that is that is great but on the day (laughs) expect that you will be probably walking a lot of that um and i guess it's just being it's being realist because if you go into it like yeah yeah now I can run Kadumba and you get there and you're like you're you're fatigued and you find yourself walking you could create like a really negative psychology about yourself at that point in time like why am I walking like I've been stronger than me now it's taking me twice as long and you know and and you start to like go down that negative spiral so I think it's like um, if you've been out on the course or uh, you've been practicing, you know, for the Tasmanians, like running up and down Mount Wellington, you're really confident running up and down mountains, but then you get out there to UTA and find yourself walking, that, that is okay, that that is expected, that's, that's part of this process. Yeah. Um, and that's then why I like setting that 75% halfway mark. Yeah. Because I think the halfway mark really is a measure of challenge. Like the first half you'd hope that um, is equal in challenge to the second half. And like Brooke said, like early on you mentioned her comment about you will probably feel some form of awfulness in the first 40K or 50K. Mm. That's a very common thing. It's very, very common because your brain's trying to say, I've got a long way to go. How am I feeling now? Oh, I'm not feeling great. You know, it starts to like create a story yeah um you'll come out of that definitely as long as you keep your fueling up and stuff but what we don't want to say is like for the 100 catholics say get to 50k and go now i'm halfway and then yeah. the challenge starts because it's going to feel like a bloody long second half yeah um so for me i said it at 75 percent. so in 100k that's 75k now if it was like last year my last 25k were awesome 
adult shower straight. Like I honestly, I felt like amazing with two caffeinated gels and an extra normal one and um, a bit of moral support from the support crew. And man, I was like, I was on fire. It was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even even then, I'm really glad that my first half to that 75 kilometers was hard. Because yep. it made that back half feel so much easier. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if that first 75% halfway mark becomes really challenging, then that's actually not a bad thing because that back half is going to feel easy because mm. <laughs> it's shorter and you've probably been through most of your challenges already. Yeah. 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 Um, so with setting intentions, are like mental intentions almost for your running, you know, like setting that... 75% as actually halfway. Um, do you have any, like, what's your thoughts on on starting mentalities? Um, so, oh, like, yeah. yeah, getting onto the start line, should, like, what's your kind of experience? Like, last year, what was your mentality when you were on the start line? Were you just like, yeah, I'm going to gun it to the front <laughs> and, like, leave them all for dust? And, no, I what? think... <laughs> It's, that's a good question and I think it's really important that you get in your own bubble like even if you're going to run with people I think it's really important that right at the beginning you kind of really focus in on you mm-hmm. and I'm really glad that I had a lot of experience to draw from um, particularly with the marathon and um, the coachings of Max Terry my uh, deceased coach beautiful man he always used to say start with purpose um, if uh, when I was talking to my lovely lady yesterday, I sort of asked her that question. I said, you know, what what's your strategy? And she said, oh well, you know, I know it's a long way. I've never run a hundred k, and I'm going to start slow. And it just set my alarm bells off like straight away. If you start slow, effectively, what you're saying to yourself is like, I'm fearing the fact that I have a hundred k to run. So you're starting with nervous anticipation of what's coming up. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is when you start with a bit of a plodding mentality, it's very, very hard to break out of a plod. Mm. So what you're probably going to find is that the first 30K, you feel a bit heavy and rubbish. Yeah. Um, and that would be the same in any of the distances. And I, I'm sorry I keep talking about 100K. It's probably just an easier number to get your head around yeah. as we talk about this. Yeah. So um, what I suggest is starting with purpose. So shorten your strides, get your cadence up, to that 90 per minute mark um try and actually get a bit of a sweat happening as weird as that sounds like get your heart rate up get your breathing rate up just like you would normally do in a normal training session like get out get into it Mm -hmm. then um and given that all the courses start with quite a lot of runnable you know terrain before they hit the single tracks or the trails or the downhills then when you when you reach that transition mark onto a trail or start going down that's when you go how am i feeling can i relax and make this feel five percent easier now Mm. and you just kind of keep backing off yourself five percent after you've already sort of got into the event does that make i think that's making sense yeah yeah so um yeah it's just trying to avoid that fear that nervousness that plodding feeling it's about get into it mean it like yeah start like you mean it and then back off yourself as you need to yeah yeah so i guess not kind of labeling it as i'm gonna start out fast or i'm gonna start out Mm -mm. slow 
Um, and I think it's also important, I'd love to share a story actually from when I was doing Kokoda Challenge because I did it like twice, so um, over, two, over two years. And um, both the times we were hiking it, so I just, just walked it. But I can see such a stark difference between my two mentalities of both those times and how much of a contributing factor a negative mindset was or even just not even going through scenarios on my second time and why I didn't complete it because what happened with the first one was amazing and and it was just like this is going to be fun like we've done all the training and it was with a good group of people and I felt really good and so the t- even though physically I struggled um towards the like towards the end I was really really fatigued and as mm. you are and um because we've been walking for like 24 hours um I still wanted to get to the finish line whereas the second time I was physically stronger and I knew I was physically stronger and like physically better able to do it it wasn't as painful but I hadn't gone through scenarios in my head so what actually happened was my team came to the start line and the other people in my team kind of got freaked out as to how many people were there and there was a change in the course and we knew that we were going to get bottlenecked so my team went oh we don't want to get stuck behind everyone else so we're going to run to the front like and be at the front so that we don't get stuck behind everyone else we had done no running in our training prior to this at all and this was like a split decision made on the morning like this is what's going to happen and and it was almost like a fear response like oh we don't want to get bottlenecked so we're going to run to the front but then my mentality like I felt fine running but then 20k's in my mind was just like we went out too hard at the front like now I'm feeling sore like we went out too hard at first yeah and that kept going on and on in my head and then I like got oversensitive to yeah things going on in my mind it's really good you bring it up just because you know you asked me like what was my mindset last year on the ultra australia start line well, it was not to buy into people's overexcitement. Yeah. Like, I knew how fast I wanted to start or how – it's not how fast. It's how quick my cadence was going to be Yeah. so that I found my rhythm. And it didn't matter whether that was, like, up there or not up there or somewhere in the middle. And, and I just did my thing. And people will start, like, absolute rabbits. They do. Yeah, and it can get yeah. really hard. Like, the energy is so high on a start yeah. line. Everyone's kind of, like, sussing yeah. each other out. and like. So just – the thing that I've been monitoring is your cadence, your breathing, your sweat rate. You mm. want to get just enough sweat up. You want to get your breathing so that you can feel it. Um, you you want to get your cadence up so you feel springy, like mm. like bouncy on your feet, even though you're carrying quite a bit on your back. Um, and then you want to settle into that and even back it off a little. No, yeah. But you do want to kind of get into it in your zone. That's so important. Um, and then you also... In your story, you brought up the comparison. Um, there are going to be a lot of people who are going out there who've run it before um, and are coming back for the second time or the third time or the fourth time. It's really, really hard actually to do an event the second time around um, because you come with a knowledge of you know what you were able to achieve the, the first time around, yeah. um, where you had moments of struggle where you felt good and you want to feel good again Mm. in that point um time goals is a big one i really um really want to urge people to go into a bubble and and drop last like learn from last year 
definitely what could you have done better but that that's all mm. um drop the time goals like there's a lot of people like oh i just want to get a silver buckle or i want to you know get under 18 hours you know um it's a terrible mentality to have because there are so many things that are outside of your control that are going to really throw you um potentially yeah so like so you think it's not good to have like a no, time goal i mean i think in the back of your head sure like it'd be nice to run that that is it right. um all that you can really focus on is to have process goals mm. so like i really want to make sure that i start with purpose um and then i'm going to walk the big staircases but if it's only a small flight of steps that I can see the top of, I'm going to try and just kind of run up them to keep my rhythm going. And then I want to make sure that I have my gels frequently and I don't fall into a low points. And I'm going to, um, every time I have a negative thought, I'm going to have my glucose tablet and I'm going to try and keep my time and checkpoints to less than five minutes. And mm-hmm. so you have all these like process goals. Now, if you execute them successfully, that is the best that you will be able to do on the day. Yeah, Does that make sense? Now, yeah. if that means that you come in at 18 hours or 18.05 or 16 and you absolutely blow yourself out of the water, then that's that's all you can do. Mm. Because if you're like coming up Kadamba and you're watching the clock and you're like, oh, good God, good God, good God, um, it's going to feel really hard. Like trust yourself that when you get that far from the finish or close to the finish, you're going to be pushing yourself hard anyway. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, sure. If you feel yourself just losing motivation, sure, bring that goal back in and be like, just just kind of remember for a second that you did really want to get to the finish line. Mm. Um, and that'll maybe jolly you along, but don't run the whole way thinking, I've got to be on this pace and this time because you only need the organizers to change one element of that course or there to be rain, not sunshine. And yeah. and, and if that's, that's what you pinned your goal on or your hopes on as well, yeah. then it's a bit and that's that measure of success we talked about in previous podcasts is like, what is your success for this day? Mm. Um, for me last year, I just wanted to finish and I just wanted to finish knowing that I had given it my everything, um, that I hadn't left anything out on the course. Um, was it my perfect day? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Was I happy with the result? Definitely. Mm. I, I really did give it everything. I just had an emotional day out there. But it, but under those circumstances, I did everything I could. Yeah. Um, so it's really important, I think, for people to go in and just remind yourself what was your goal yeah. and try not to run with a time pressure over your head the whole way. Um, yeah. I think probably the final, just the final bits of practical stuff, just that last week, um, make sure that you really do fuel yourself for it um i'd be starting your electrolytes on about wednesday or thursday sipping like a bottle or two a day just trying to Mm -hmm. um if you're just guzzling water thinking i've got to rehydrate you you probably will dilute all your electrolytes and you could feel quite lethargic and quite awful and bloated um probably like now through till sort of early in that last week it's about lots of lots of veggies lots of vitamins lots of like good quality protein and healthy fats to sort of get that repair process happening and Mm. also to boost your immunity because um it's quite common that people get sick as they start backing off so really focusing in on that really strongly Mm. um and then the last couple of days beforehand it's 
for me, what I what I would recommend is swapping to something a bit lower in fiber, lower in protein, lower in fat, but you know, lots of fats anyway, um, just so that you can get less in your gut system that could potentially cause havoc on race day. Yeah. Um, last main meal of the day is breakfast the day before. So like get up, go for your little like 20 minute jog, freshen up, have like a really good breakfast. Um, have like a lighter but pretty solid lunch and then a very light dinner like Mm. some soup or something um i think i see people trying to have their big meal the night before carbo loading yeah and you just you're gonna wake up feeling heavy you're not gonna then feel hungry you're just gonna feel um and potentially then need to use a bathroom 24 hours after that meal which will be out on the course for some people so really important i think to think through that strategy now um and prepare for that yeah yeah we're gonna keep doing countdown as well on honey's facebook until the day of uta so kind of like dropping little bits of advice we think oh sorry coming from you like every day um, yeah well I mean I definitely I mean Jess you've contributed to that like (laughs) in those really cool discussions that we've had around (laughs) what we feel people need to hear or could hear um and I I guess like I just want to keep reiterating like yes my podcast has been very focused on these athletes I mean we have about 1500 people who have been following these resources I mean in a field of four or five thousand or whatever is it ultra australia that i mean that's a lot of people yeah. um, that i guess we're trying to support but if i was listening to this podcast like these take-home messages go for anything that you're doing yeah. um particularly like the running community yeah. but the psychology stuff like this is real no matter what you're doing yeah um you know like and you know have a few climbers that i'm been supporting to get to world champs and they, they're going to have the same psychology challenges as you know our recreational 70 year old athletes who are running 50k you know mm. in two weeks so mm. um i hope that it is really relevant and i do really love to get feedback from people yeah 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 um so i'd love it if people could reach out and engage with what we're doing and and give us some things on what they've loved what they'd like to know more about yeah i think going forward like with the podcast I, it'll probably begin to flip around a little bit i think i'm really interested to bring some new psychology to our and and learning to our audience i feel like part of being a human being on the planet is an awareness of the environment and the world at large so a lot of the episodes i'm seeing are probably gonna move away from running discussions or athletic discussions and really be like introducing some things that probably we've all never thought about that is timely to to think and have a discussion about so Mm. i'm kind of excited to see yeah where the podcast is going to go over the next little while yeah i guess so like the ones that we've done up until this point though for people that are doing uta next year or who still want things about running there is this like this collection that you've established yeah that will stand the test of time because (laughs) yeah exactly and these discussions that you and i are having that people can listen into through the podcast are actually the discussions that i've had as a performance consultant with clients Mm. and i found i always had this feeling like i wish like i wish i could share this with more people and 
without having to feel like I'm repeating myself with every client and and then they have to pay like for that privilege yeah I mean there's definitely a power in working one-on-one with someone and and sitting down with their personal fears and challenges and um, opportunities and, and nutting through that but what we're talking about here is just stuff that's been trapped in my head for a long while yeah um, and it needed an out so yeah going forward the podcast I mean I'm sure there'll be opportunities where you and I'll sit and have a yak <laughs> but um but I'm looking forward to having some new guests on the podcast as well yeah yeah, yeah it's exciting yeah awesome thanks Jess well thanks honey